Today we turn our attention to the text. It will be a gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 18, verses 25, uh, 23 through 35, actually. Um, so I want to offer this for us. Last week I encouraged you to listen to the text, even imagine yourself as if you were there. What would you hear? What would you see? Even there might be things that you would smell as this story is being laid out in front of these hearers. If uh, you'd like to stand in honor of the gospel lesson, you're welcome to do that. If you'd rather sit, that is fine as well. Listen now for a word from the Lord. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and his children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forever and forgave his debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused, and then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then this Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debts, all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Dear friends, we have received this morning a special invitation. I've asked Angie if she would come and, and read it for us. To the Body of Christ, currently located on 91st Street between Memorial and Sheridan, from the remarkably generous King of the Universe. I can't to wait to share my celebration with you. Today I'm handing out free passes. Come, take as many as you want. You know that mistake that you can't seem to forget? I'll give you a free pass for that. You know that betrayal you can't seem to forget and that never seems to the bother the one who betrayed you? I'll give you a free pass for that. You know the righteous anger you feel toward those on the other side of the mask debate from you and the energy it sucks from your life to be so angry? I'll give you a free pass for that. Today, Faith, I'm going to let you off the hook of your pain, anger, judgment, and discontent. You don't want to miss this invitation to discern what it is, what it is time to release with the sincerest hope for freedom, God. All right. How about that? Is that a good invitation? Thank you. Angie, uh, I would say that she has delivered to us good news, wouldn't you? That is beautiful, and I'm so grateful for God's invitations all the time in our lives. 
I want to go back to the story that we read from the scripture. This is a parable that Jesus tells uh, in response to a question about how many times should we forgive. Uh, but this is actually one of the craziest stories in the Bible. This is crazier than feeding 5,000 plus people with a fish and a few loaves of bread. Crazier even than Lazarus walking out of a grave. This is crazier than turning water into wine at a wedding feast. This story, as Jesus tells it, turns every expectation upside down. And around every corner of this story is a twist that they're not expecting. So the story begins innocently enough when Jesus begins to tell of a Gentile king leaning on one of his officials, one of his servants, to offer him a return on his investment. Now friends, in this culture, power is top down. And so it would be no surprise that the expectations of the king's servants are that they're going to make money for him. And they were not known for their high ethical standards. Uh, they were not known for their um, taking care of business in easy or wonderful ways. So when it came to gaining profit for the king, they did whatever it took. And they were risky in their investments. Now those of you who operate in that world of uh, risk and, and investments know that many times that's what it takes to turn a profit, but there's also the possibility that you're going to lose. And so this official has lost an awful lot. He lost 10,000 talents, the text tells us. Now, if you're within the sound of Jesus' vo voice at that point, your eyes get real big because 10,000 talents is an unbelievable amount of money. The whole tax revenue for all of Herod the Great's territories annually was 900 talents. So this king, or this servant, has lost for his king 10,000 talents. Now he's being summoned to come before and to make right on those losses. Can you imagine the pressure he feels? I mean, what can you say when you have taken that kind of risk and you have lost that kind of money for one who has the power to hold your life and your family's remember the scripture says that he was going to throw him and his family in prison until he could repay the debt which means you'll never repay it and here he has to stand in front of that one who holds his life and his family's life in the balance you know what he does he asks the king I promise you, if you'll just forgive me, I'll repay the debt. Whoa! I mean, friends, this is a debt you'll never repay. It's so huge. It's an unbelievable amount of money. And I don't know if you all have experienced this, but sometimes whenever I'm standing in line at a store and I hear the person in front of me ask for something, that I'm like, no, they're not going to do that. And you know what sometimes they do? In the customer service section of a store, they'll say, okay. Okay, and so, so here this, this servant is, he's in front of his king, and he says, will you please just have patience with me? Forgive this debt, I, I will make sure that I pay you back. No, friends, he's not ever going to pay him back. And the king says, okay, okay, you can be forgiven. So those who are hearing this story are trying to follow, but it's incredible. It's beyond belief. The king lets him off. 
Shortly thereafter, this official meets up with someone who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, that is not a small amount. That's about a hundred days wage uh, for the average worker. Okay, so it's, it's not a tiny amount. If you want to say, you know, three months of salary. But in relation to the debt that has just been forgiven him, it is minuscule. And you know what he does? He grabs the guy by the throat and he says, pay what you owe. And, and the guy says the same thing back to him. If you just, just have patience with me, I'll pay you back, I promise. Nope. Throws him in prison. Some of his friends take note. They see how ludicrous it is for this official to have been offered a free pass worth more than his life. And yet he won't even offer a discount to someone else. At every turn, this story just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So that when Jesus lands the ending, his audience is probably reeling. Have you ever heard those stories where you're trying to sort it out? Wait a minute, what just happened? Who was, what, how did this even get here? Of course they're angry at this official who receives forgiveness for his debt, but won't offer it to someone else. We'd probably be angry at him too, wouldn't we? I mean, how could you do that when you have been forgiven an unthinkable debt and you won't even let someone else have a discount on a hundred denarii? They probably don't know quite what they feel about the man who owes the hundred denarii because he does owe it, right? He should pay it. But if the official gets off, shouldn't he? And the king, right? He started this whole thing by expecting his official to gain for him an absolutely ridiculous profit. It's really kind of like trying to untangle a necklace that someone forgot to latch when they put it in the jewelry keeper. Do you know this? You know this story? Okay. Yeah, that usually becomes my job. And I can tell you that as you look at this image, forgiveness feels like this a lot of the time. It's tangled. It's messy. It's hard. The layers of wrong are piled on top of one another. It is absolutely impossible to judge who is right and who is wrong in this story. Kind of depends on your perspective. You all can take that down. If you're owed money, you feel one way. But if you owe money, you feel another. So the invitation that we're going to hear this morning is the invitation to discern. Okay? If you think about the image that we looked at in terms of the, the necklace, sometimes we have to separate out and begin to, to move things uh, in places where we can understand them better. So I'm, I'm inviting you to this invitation this morning to discern all of the layers of this story. To seek a key that will unlock the freedom we find when we are able to forgive. Because forgiveness in theory might be straightforward, but I have never experienced it to be easy. I have never experienced it to be without complications. And then, then, not even just the concept of forgiveness, but the feelings that we have around forgiveness. Oh, they're so hard. When we have to encounter the reality that we wronged someone else, when we have to live with the reality that they have wronged us, that is so hard. So if you're looking for black and white answers to this topic, please know you won't find them from me today. Instead, what I want to offer you is a few suggestions as we discern together. 
as we begin to untangle these pieces of our lives that keep us from who God knows we can be and keep us from accepting the invitations that God gives us. Last week, you might remember that we heard an invitation to freedom. And out of that, God says to us, I will offer you all the freedom in the world. I want to give it to you. I do not want you to be stuck, not able to forgive yourself, not able to forgive someone else. I want to give this to you. But something always gets in the way. There's an obstacle or a barrier. And we talked about some last week about the RSVP, that many invitations come with an RSVP, and sometimes we decide to send it back, no thank you. And, and what is that that causes us to send the invitation God has given us back with a no thank you? And last week we looked at that as being able to see ourselves clearly. So, if we look at the official in this story who has been forgiven an unthinkable debt by the king only to turn around and punish one who owed him a paltry sum by comparison, friends, he didn't see himself clearly. He didn't see what he was being given. It didn't change him at all. It's human nature to want justice for you and mercy for me. But that is always a trap. Because there will never be enough mercy for me that makes me feel like I can offer justice for you and not feel like then some of that needs to come back upon me. It's a trap. It's a trap when we get into that feeling of, I can receive forgiveness, but I cannot give it. If we gain a better view of ourselves and have a sense that we too need forgiveness, then we still face the obstacle of what to do with others who have hurt us. Well, one thing we don't do is to forget. So if you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I don't know where that ever came into uh, common language, but that's not what it means to forgive. Forgiveness is really about making peace with yourself and with others while seeing the past with open eyes. We don't have to forget, but we can make peace. I know that sounds impossible, which aren't we grateful that God is gracious to us and makes it possible. That is the only way that we'll be able to receive the gift of forgiveness and then offer it to someone else. I know it sounds impossible, but it is an invitation you can say yes to. You really, really can. Today, I want to offer you a key, if you will. Think of it as something that unlocks this door. And I want to offer it to you in these words, separate the wrongdoing from the wrongdoer. This is a part of our discernment around issues of forgiveness. Because all of us have been the wrongdoer at some point in time, and all of us have faced what someone has done wrong to us. But if we can separate the wrongdoing from the wrongdoer, many times it allows us to move further in untangling that necklace. Let's overlay the parable with this key and see what we learn. So the official, the main character in this story, has made some huge mistakes but for whatever reason, the king chose not to see him as his mistakes. Okay, let me repeat that. He has made huge mistakes. The debt that he owes is unfathomable. He will never be able to pay it back. And he's gutsy enough to say, 
Will you forgive me? So he has made some huge mistakes, but the king chooses not to see him as his mistakes. That's called mercy or favor. It's a gift when it happens in our lives. And it transforms us, or at least it has the possibility to transform us into mercy givers. See, when we are offered that kind of mercy or that kind of favor, it changes us. And in response, then we can give mercy in new ways. But it didn't transform this official. When his servant was called to account, the official chose to equate the wrongdoing with the wrongdoer. And because he saw his servant as a mistake, not as a human being who had made a mistake, he felt free to punish him. No mercy. No mercy. The struggle that we face with forgiveness is always messy. There are layers. There are differing perspectives. And then our feelings, oh my gosh, they get in the way of what we wish were true about ourselves. It's one of the hardest things about forgiveness is you might be able to, in theory, up here in your head, forgive someone, but you can't change the feelings that you have around the wrong that has been done to you. Whether we are struggling to forgive ourselves or someone else, it's hard. And it rarely happens in a moment like a flash of light. Now, wouldn't we love it if we prayed to God, help me forgive, bam, you're, you're good, right? And you wake up the next morning and you think, I forgive that person. And occasionally, that does happen. But that is not the common experience that we have around our faith. It's a process. It can take weeks or months, or years, or sometimes even a lifetime. And so I offer to you again this image of untangling a necklace to remind you that it's going to take patience, deep breaths. You might even have to set it down and come back to it later. And because we had to find an image like this, my husband tells me that you can use uh, talcum powder or baby powder as a help in untangling the necklace, see? Little keys. I have found a straight pin to be an excellent help as well. There, there are things that help us when we're trying to sort this out, when we're trying to discern, when we're trying to get that necklace where we can put it back on and be proud to wear it. So I'm offering you this as a metaphor to think about forgiveness in that way because then when it takes a while, when you have to be patient with it, when you have to work on it, set it down, come back to it later, that's all good, right? Because there is a possibility that one day the necklace will straighten out. One day you'll wear it again. And one day, it's not that you will have forgotten the tangles of the necklace, but those won't be front and center. If you've never thought of forgiveness with that image or that metaphor, go ahead and consider the place in your life where you're struggling with forgiveness right now. Most of us, there's some place. It's either a relationship, it's a situation, it's an event uh, that has happened to us, or that we are struggling to forgive ourselves for, and approach it as if it needs to be untangled. Can you separate the wrongdoing from the wrongdoer? Can you see the one who made a mistake through the eyes of mercy? Can you at least appreciate that it is a trap to land yourself that you land yourself in when you seek mercy for yourself and justice for the other. That is not where life is found, friends. So understand it in terms of it's going to be a process. 
We're going to keep working on it. We're going to look for these keys. We're going to try to understand it. We're going to separate out this knot and then that knot. And one day, one day, we will be able to wear that necklace with pride again. This morning, I want to offer you the good news that God is giving away free passes. Free passes for you, as many as you want. But know this, God is also giving those free passes away to the people that drive you crazy. Just kind of need to let that sink in for myself for just a moment. Sometimes you preach sermons to yourself as much as to anyone else. This is a hard slog for me right now. But you know, when I think about all of the ways that God has been gracious to me, and all of the places where God has given so much more than I could have ever even asked for, I can't help but be grateful. And I don't want to see those in my life who I'm frustrated with or angry with or feel that they have hurt me or betrayed me. I don't want to see them as a mistake. I don't want them to see me as a mistake. We all make mistakes. We are not our mistakes. So just as God gives free passes to me, God's given them to everybody that I struggle with. And that is true for all of us. I hope that is good news. The invitation this morning is to discern how is it that we approach forgiveness in a way that we can actually move forward and make progress with it and then to be grateful for God's gift of favor toward us just as we are grateful for God's gift of favor toward the one who has wronged us. Amen.